Okay. Well, welcome to church, everybody. Um, as you can tell, I'm not Pastor Mike. Um, obviously, you know, he's way better looking than me, and you'd probably much rather be having him up here than me, but I guess you're stuck with the B team for now. Um, Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, I'm Pastor Logan. I am the youth and media pastor here, and I am super excited that we get to, uh, to share in, in church and everything like that. I love any chance I get to do um, preaching and public speaking and stuff like that. Now, I do it all a lot on Fridays for youth, but it's always nice to like do it in front of everybody. And a big shout-out to our online crowd watching. Thank you for tuning in with us every week. Um, you guys are awesome. So, honest, obviously, I had a whole totally different intro prepared because I thought Pastor Mike wasn't going to be here today, and so I had some jokes that I was going to crack about, like, you know, I've, it was like, oh, I can get away with stuff because dad's not here to get me in trouble kind of thing, you know? It's like when the substitute teacher comes into class, but he's here now, so I can't make those jokes. <laughs> but, well, that was the joke. <laughs> Jokes aside, um, it's great that we can laugh together, but I truly believe God has something powerful in store for um, today's message. And I'm going to be honest, this message is, I think, a little bit different than maybe, like, maybe a traditional sermon and stuff like that. I think it's less about learning something, like, really groundbreaking and brand new about Scripture and more a good, healthy reminder um, about something um, that we see a part of God's character that I think we sometimes forget. So when it, when it came to school, I struggled a lot in school. I just didn't have good grades. Math, science, terrible. I was not good, couldn't pass those classes to save my life. And um, yeah, I just wasn't a good student. Now, part of that is I didn't apply myself very much. I'll be honest, I take probably 50% of the blame for that. Um, and then some of it was, you know, I have an eye problem, I have ADHD of some kind, and so it's like, you, you mix all that stuff together, and it doesn't make the best, you know, <laughs> environment to learn. But, um, but I loved history, and I loved writing. Anything that had to do with, like, English and social studies and history was, like, my jam. I love that. Those are the only classes I was getting, like, 80s and 90s in. Everything else is, like, 49 to 51, like, just squeaking by. But as I was preparing for this, I was reminded of a time in Bible college. Um, so in Bible college, I was in my third year, and I'd taken a bunch of normal theology classes before. And for those of you that don't know, theology just means study of God. That's, that's what the word means. And so I'm taking this course called Doctrine of God. Oh, it sound, sounds scary. It's not. It's just the five W's, basically, of who God is. Um... And it was in this class, actually, um, that I had one of the most influential and, like, important foundational moments in my walk of God, with God so far. Um, see, it was, in this class, we study the doctrine of God. So, like I said, it's the five W's of who God is. And one of the things that we learn about is God's omnipotence. God is all-powerful, is what it means. And... We sing songs and we hear lots of amazing things about how awesome our God is. You know, our God is so awesome, he did this. And our God is so awesome and he did that. But do we really actually know what it means? Or has the word just been kind of watered down so much that we like, 
wow, that carpet looks really awesome. It's like, is it really? And so it was in this course that I kind of truly learned what awesome meant. And I learned, and I fully understood it. You know how it's one thing to like hear something, like I know I'm sure you parents out here can probably relate to this, but it's like you tell your kid like 10 times, put your shoes away, and then they don't do it. But then their teacher will tell them, put their shoes away, or they'll go to a friend's house and their other parent will tell them, put their shoes away, and then they'll do it. And you're wondering, why don't they listen to me? I think it's because sometimes we just don't have it internalized properly. We hear it and we think, wow, that sounds awesome. That sounds amazing. God is so good. But it's like, do we really believe that God is good? Or are we just happy to, you know, to be in the fields, you know? Right? We sang that song today, Names. It's the very last song we sang. And it said, we stand in awe of you. Do we stand in awe of God? Do we really? See, this class was also not just important because it um, like taught me these foundational things about God's character, but it was also basically kind of a miracle in some senses of the word itself, or at least my whole time of Bible college. Like I said, terrible student. Not a good student. <laughs> um, and so for me, even the thought of going to Bible college was like daunting, right? Because it's like, I didn't have the best grades. I was like, and then all this stuff. And so I lo was looking online at courses and, it, and I was like, oh, wow, if I get like a theology degree, I don't got to take any math and science. I was like, great, let's go. I'm in. And obviously God had called me to it and to ministry and everything, but it was at Horizon. Okay. So Horizon is a very unique um, education model. That's the college I went to. It's our denominational college for their prairies. They don't give you like an A to F or like a percentage. They don't, they don't mark like that. They do what's called competency-based education. So instead of just being able to memorize something, you actually have to be able to prove that you know the information. And this, in turn, also makes it for um, you can retry. So if you send in a paper and you get, like, meeting, like you've met competency on four out of the five sections, well, guess what? You still didn't pass. You had to meet on everything. And so then the professor will send you back with notes and be like, hey, maybe try fixing this area. What did you mean here? And it's actually super awesome because for a bad student like me to be able to redo my work, real blessing. <laughs> but you'd think by my third year, I would have figured out how to write properly. Nope, didn't, still struggled with it, but I loved it. And I had this TA, a teacher assistant, Alyssa. Um, her husband and I actually did we, were, we did junior youth for years um, together um, when I was at the neighborhood church in Saskatoon and stuff. So we were very close. And she actually took the time during this class to like sit down with me and not just like mark my paper and say like that period shouldn't be there and just do the basic stuff. She actually sat me down and taught me how to structure arguments. And like she went above and beyond and actually really showed me the error in my writing and how I could get better. And I had one extra goal in college, besides like graduating, obviously that was the ultimate goal, but I had one other goal. It was to get an A plus, to get an exceeding is what it's called. So like you can meet everything, but then if you're like really, really good, you get an E and it's like, yeah, you exceeded. And I had one goal. I was like, I wanna finish one class with an E. My overall grade on my transcript will say E. That was my one goal. And it was this class. It was this doctrine of God. 
And I attribute that to all God because I had no worldly right doing as well as I did in this course or in college in general. It's really no short of a miracle, honestly, about how every little thing lined up in my life to allow me to graduate, but to also be like standing here in front of you, you know, basically what I'll say is like my dream job. This is the exact job in ministry I wanted whenever I was called in. I was like doing media, helping the next generation, all that stuff. Um, and so I give glory to God in that. Seriously, God took a lonely little, I'll say, buffoon like me, and I stand before you now. Maybe still a little bit of a buffoon, but maybe just a little more mature. Um, but seriously, it, it's, it's truly amazing what God can do. And so I titled this message, if you couldn't see the slide already, Is God Still Awesome? Now, to answer this question, we have to define and understand what the word awesome really means. So the Cambridge Dictionary defines awesome as a causing of great feelings, of respect, admiration, and fear. Now, when we look at the biblical use of this word, and yes, the Bible does use the word awesome, um, you actually, it means to... Um, <laughs> it is used and defined as to stand in awe of God and revere him, to be fearful of God's power. So the, 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 the definitions are pretty similar. And to be truly in awe comes with helplessness and silence. You become so overwhelmed by God, you actually start to fear how powerful he really is. And this isn't a bad fear. This isn't the fear that God's going to come down and smite you with a thunderbolt like we see in popular culture or something like that. That's, that's not what this is talking about. It's being so open and honest and ready and helpless before God that you fear what he's going to do because it's going to be so good and so awesome and so amazing. That is the awesome God we serve. I think it's really unique that the Bible has 107 references to the word awesome. And then if some translations have 109, just depending on the translation of the words. Um, that, that's a lot of references in scripture, obviously. So I hope you brought your coffee, your water. Hope you brought a notebook because we are going through each and every single one in excruciating detail and there will be a, a pop quiz at the end so you better be paying attention. <laughs> just kidding, we're not gonna do that. That would take way too long. Um, we're just gonna look at one reference in which this is used. And it's actually uh, in Deuteronomy chapter four, verses 32 to 40. Now, I'll be honest, this is my first time preaching from the book of Deuteronomy, so, I mean, I've read it and studied it, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> um, so, it'll be on the screens. I'm going to read it. You can follow along. It says, ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created human beings on earth. Ask, from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great as this ever happened? Has anything like it ever even been heard of? Have any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? 
Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs, wonders, by war, and his mighty outstretched hand, or by his great and awesome deeds, like all things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord your God, is, is, there is no one beside him. From heaven, he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth, he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from out of that fire. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants, he brought you out of the land of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. To drive out before you nations greater and stronger than yourself, to bring you into the promised lands and to give it to you as your inheritance. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go with you and your children after and that you may have a long life in the promised land. So anytime we look at the Bible and we study it, we need to look at context. We need to look at what comes before and kind of what happens after. So the context of this passage is right before this, Moses is giving a really important speech about the Israelites worshiping false idols. And then if we go a couple of passages back before that, we actually have a really kind of sad but amazing conversation between God and Moses where Moses finds out he's never going to the promised land. Now, we, there's a lot of debate as to when a lot of the Old Testament books are written chronologically and how the timeline all fits together, and I'm not going to get into that. But one of the best assumptions we can make about the book of Deuteronomy is it's, it's way later on in Moses' life, and he's reflecting back on what's happened. He's leaving his final words for the Israelites. Right? Because at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses actually, you know, he dies, and then he passes the torch along to Joshua to lead them into the promised land. Now, the passage right before this is a powerful, almost like scalding from Moses about Israel's use of fake idols. See, at that time, God was very clear. He, has ne he had never manifested himself in a physical form. All he asks the Israelites to do in return is not worship him in a physical form. No idols, no anything. But they're human, and they make mistakes, and that's exactly what they did. See, God himself and his previous actions are enough to know he is the one true awesome God. And that's what Moses says. He says it in our passage. If you look back, he's like, everything that God has done before this is enough. He doesn't need to do anything more. But culturally, the Israelites were surrounded by other cultures at the time. They, had, they were going through the land of Canaan and a bunch of other surrounding nations were all there. I mean, they were plucked out of a group of people from Egypt. And what happened was is when you spend enough time with other people, their traditions, their mannerisms, their everything starts to rub off on you. 
That's what's happening with the Israelites, and that's why they started worshiping false idols. They actually got to the point where they were worshiping like star alignments and like astral beings, and some of them were having like wood carvings and like all of these things, and what they, they thought they were honoring God, but God made it clear he didn't want that. Moses is pleading with them to worship God alone because there is only one truly awesome God. It's the same God that brought them out of Egypt with signs and wonders. God has shown himself to be truly awesome, to be the one and only powerful God, and hear me on this, an infinite amount of times. Moses, is, is he's mad now. He sees them worshiping all these false idols, and he's being like, hey, stop that. Remember all the stuff that God did. Right? He split the Red Sea. He turned the Nile River to blood. He did the seven plagues. He, the, the burning bush, the manna from heaven, everything, hard, softening Pharaoh's heart. The list goes on and on and on and on and on of all these incredible, amazing things that God has done to prove himself to the Israelites. And yet they still weary, they're still weary of him. They still wander off and do other things. They worship other gods. Why? This, this passage we're talking about, Deuteronomy 4, is, is Moses rebuking them. He's saying like, hey, get your act together. A, and I can't substantiate this claim, but I think it's because he knows he's dying and he can't lead the Israelites on. So he's trying to give them one last like hurrah and being like, look, don't mess up. Truthfully, we're no different than the Israelites we're no different today than the Israelites are, were, sorry, back then. God has proven himself an infinite amount of times in each and every one of our lives that he is the one truly awesome God, and yet we still decide to put other things above him. Whether it be your job, Right? You start to think your God is your your you know your job is so awesome and you start putting all your time and energy into your job. Or maybe it's like your relationships. Maybe you found your amazing boyfriend or girlfriend and now you're spending all of your time developing this awesome, awesome relationship, and you're putting that before God. The reality is there is only one God who is all-powerful and who is truly awesome. Your job is not going to move you to the point where you are on your hands and knees crying in awe of God because of how powerful he is and the things that he's done in your life. I'm sorry, but your husband and your wife, they're not going to do that. Your phone, your social media accounts, they're not going to do that for you. Only God does that. And so like Moses today, or well, like Moses and today, I want to remind us here at Bethel the amazing things that God has done. I want to remind us of the truly awesome God 
that has proven himself here at Bethel for generations in the past and for generations in the future. So I was talking with the staff and some elders and things like that, and Leanne, God bless her, she's amazing, she showed me this. It is the 75th anniversary cookbook of Bethel. And I was like, a cookbook? What am I going to do with this? But the first three, four pages are an amazing timeline of our church history. I want to remind you just of the few, some of the few things that God has done for us. First item was that in the first four years that Bethel was operating, I don't remember under what name or anything like that, there were 76 water baptisms and 74 people were filled with the Holy Spirit in the first four years. Now, in a church that probably wasn't seeing, you know, hundreds of people like we are today, that's amazing. That is incredible. I look back in that and I get excited. The very, very first service was held at City Hall and between the morning and the evening service, there was over 100 people. There are churches today that don't even get 100 people. That's amazing. I stand here and I think about that and I am left in awe because I... I'm speechless. I don't understand how God would do something like that. It is so incredibly awesome to see. I mean, there's so much to cover. We've been here for like almost 100 years. Like, there's so many things. I highly suggest if you have one of these, take a look back through it. Because I only went through and picked some of the ones that I think were really important. But they're all really important. Something that really stood out to me was actually the purchase of the nine acres that we're standing on right here at 440 Richmond. So in 1980, they purchased nine acres, and then just four years later, finished the construction and held the grand opening of this very building. To me, that's incredible. Right? The fact that we were able to even do something as amazing as build an incredible building like this. And the fact that it's like still standing and in relatively really good shape is also like an amazing attestment to how truly powerful and awesome our God is. This was one other story that really stood out to me. And I think a lot of you will recognize it. Some of you may not. Doesn't come from this church cookbook. It was one that um, I was told about. And I found it incredible. So in 2017, um, we had a person, we had the caretaker of this church, uh, Glenn Jaffrey. Some of you remember him. Some of you might even know the story I'm about to tell. Um, now, he got called into work one day in the winter, had to go and blow a bunch of snow. And um, basically what happened was he ended up suffering from an incredibly, like, major heart attack. 
Um, he had like, when I called him to ask if it was okay to share his story and if he could give me any insight as to what happened, he like told me it was like a double bypass, which is like, I'm not a doctor, but it sounds pretty bad. And it was. And um, he actually went in for surgery. It was emergency surgery and everything. There were complications, and he was actually declared dead. He, was, he died. He died for about 10, 15 minutes, he told me. Now, this whole time, the church and the staff, everybody's praying for him. And it's awesome, and it's amazing. Ten minutes later, he returned from the dead. Surgery went well. Makes a full recovery. It's a happy, healthy family. There is only one truly awesome God that can raise people from the dead. That is the awesome God we serve. We don't serve our job. We don't serve our relationships. We don't serve our social media accounts. We serve God. And when we let him move in our life, when we remove those distractions, and when we become helpless and silent before him, that is when God moves. And here's the reality. Hear me on this. God is always moving. He is always doing good things. He is always revealing himself to each and every one of us daily. We are the ones that choose not to recognize it. We are the ones that stop remembering how awesome our God is. I want us to remind of that. So I don't know if one of you guys need to be raised from the dead today. I hope nobody's passed away since I've been speaking. Um, but if our God does that, then there isn't one thing in each and every one of your lives that he cannot do. So I don't know if you're sitting here today and you're struggling with something. I don't know if you're struggling with a relationship, if you're struggling because you're broken physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. But if you truly move yourself to the point of helplessness and silence before God, he will show up and he will move in your life just like he has done for generations before here at Bethel and generations across the world. Our God is so amazing and powerful, he sent his only son to die for us. That is how much God cares and loves us. So as we leave today, I want us to remember that. I want us to remember the amazing, awesome God that we serve. Um, you know, as I pray, as I wrap up here, um, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves of the truly awesome, amazing God that we serve. We can't forget. We can't forget the church cookbook. We can't forget what God has done because it gives us a reminder for when we think God isn't moving, when, we, when we're sad, depressed, whatever. Think back on everything that God has done and know that he will continue to do more. That is the awesome God we serve. So the answer to the question, is God still awesome? 
Yes. He will be awesome for eternity. And he will move us to the point that we are in awe of him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Um, God, thank you for your amazing work through the generations here at Bethel. God, thank you for the start of this church, the foundation. God, thank you for just everything that you have done. Thank you for this building we are in. Thank you for the pastors that we have. Thank you for the amazing volunteers. Everything that you have done, God, is to show how infinitely powerful you are and how much you care and how much you love us. God, so I pray for those that are sitting in the seats today, whether it be at home on your couch or in here in this room. God, I pray for those that are needing a touch in your life, who are needing to remember how amazing and awesome you are. I pray that you come and you meet them in a new way. God, that you heal the wounds that are broken. God, that you meet the financial needs. God, that you remove the sins, you remove the bondage, you remove the things that are holding people back. You remove the distractions. You remove everything. Move us to a place of absolute helplessness and fear before your throne. God, so that when we see you, when we experience your presence, we are left in that state of awe, that fear, that love, that admiration, that respect for how amazing you are. We pray these things in your name, Jesus.